it, it was, it's always great to prepare, and, and I do enjoy teaching. Um, this is a, a good story because Hoyt did call me on Thursday, and, and uh, I was available and, and had the opportunity to get to teach. Um, but we were also going up to my parents' ranch. My parents live up out of the Applegate. And uh, so uh, they're in their 80s, so usually when I go up there, there's a whole list of uh, projects my dad needs me to do. And I was up on the barn roof nailing down old roofs and uh, doing a lot of weed whacking, a lot of cleanup. And uh, I got done, started pretty early in the morning, which is not an issue because I'm an early morning guy. And so I uh, got done at mid-afternoon. I go, well, you know what? This is a good time. I need to, and I, I, I need to prepare for tomorrow. Uh, which is unique because usually I am the night before morning of preparing for things. That's just generally what I do. And so I, I'm literally not kidding. I got done with my main rough draft of getting through what I wanted to do, and my dad developed severe abdominal pain. And so I spent my evening, uh, afternoon and evening at Rogue Valley Medical Center yesterday with my dad. <coughs> Thankfully, it seemed to edge. He's going to need his gallbladder out, but I think everything is going to be okay. But I'm sitting there going, Lord Jesus, thank you that I prepared in the afternoon, so <laughs> I'm not doing it now. Anyway, so if I'm a, a little bit rough, I know you'll give me grace. And we're also going to do something a little bit different this morning as we go through uh, some of our teaching time. We're going to really combine it into, and we're going to do, I don't know if you all know, but this, this week is the national, this Thursday is the National Day of Prayer. And tomorrow night, we're also doing fasting prayer at the church. So we're going to have a little bit of a prayer focus here again with us this morning. Okay, so we're going to uh, dial that into what we're talking about. Um, I thought I would open up uh, as uh, what I'm going to be talking about this morning is really kind of expanding on our memory verse for the month, um, which is 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Um, and I have to admit, I have not fully memorized it, even though it is May 1st, and this was the memory verse for April. Um, but it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a stunning verse and ties very much into what Brandon has been preaching on, which has been about evangelism. Um, and so I'm going to be reading from uh, our memory card, and I'm going to be reading from the ESV translation. And let's pray before we get going. Father, we do again thank you for this morning, and we do thank you for a, a stunningly beautiful day that you have provided. God, we're just thankful that you love us, that you provide for us, God, and that you know, you know us so well, and you always prepare us for um, any opportunity to serve, any opportunity to love, God, and just to trust in you. God, thank you for this morning. I just pray that you would just give us a great time together, that the, your Holy Spirit would be here you would give us open hearts, open minds to just um, really be changed uh, in terms of how we live and what we do. God, that you would change us every day with each sunrise, and, and uh, we're just so thankful for Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Thank you for your word and for loving us so much. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, um, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trans uh, trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin 
who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There's a lot, there's a lot in that statement. Um, but what I'm going to really focus on today is really, uh, in many ways, following up what Brandon's been talking about is just our role and what God would have us doing. Um, uh, I guess w one question I would ask, this, this opens up by saying that we are a new creation. Um, what does it mean to be a new creation? Different eyes. Speak different. Different priorities. It's something new, right? A baby's a new creation. <clears throat> a new creation from a genetic standpoint means what? <clears throat> when I have a baby and a baby is delivered, it has completely unique genetic material. Different than what their parents have. Different than what anyone else has had. This is what it's talking about a new creation. We are a new creation. We are completely different than what we were. Um, I think Paul gives a pretty good example of that in Philippians 3. Because um, <clears throat> we know who Paul was, right? Who was Paul before his, before his exposure to Christ? He was Saul. Persecuted the church. He was a Pharisee. Uh, he, was a, he was a strong Jewish leader. Um, that was who Saul was. And if we look at uh, in Philippians 3, beginning in 4b... Paul says, though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to obtain a resurrection from the dead. So Paul was describing that he is a new creation. Paul had a lot of things to hang on, a lot of things to trust in, and Paul is choosing, right, not to do that. He's choosing to recognize all those are a loss for the surpassing greatness of going Christ. And that was part of the process of Paul um, becoming a new creation. Um, and again, back to our memory verse, in verse 18, all it then states, so we are a new creation for what purpose? For what purpose? Serve the kingdom of God. And probably what's the, what's the one thing we can do here on earth that we're not going to be able to do in heaven? Tell others about them. That's exactly right. And what it says in verse 18, it goes on and says, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What does it mean to reconcile? That's a term we throw out there. I think it's fairly straightforward. What, balance the books, okay. What else? Bring back together. Balancing books, bringing back together. Restoring relationships, right? And the key point of Paul in this, in this point is, again, God did the work, right? 
Who initiated reconciliation? God reconciled us to himself through Christ. So the, the key memory here, or the key focus here is, it's not what we're getting to share with people. God's already done the work. We're just sharing what he's already done for us. That's our role. As a new creation, I would say it's probably one of our greatest roles, is to obviously love Christ and love God, but also then to take the gospel out. Um, and um, it just, it's very clear that that's what he's telling us to do. Uh, and he gives a pattern to us. God was reconciling the, wor the world to himself, not counting men their trespasses against them, and entrusting us this me message of reconciliation. Therefore, we're ambassadors, okay? Another great term. So we're given the ministry of reconciliation, of restoring relationships, and then now it's saying we're an ambassador. What's the role of an ambassador? Christ ambassadors. Exactly, absolutely. But what does an ambassador do? So if you're an ambassador in uh, Ukraine right now, uh, although that's an interesting example, I didn't do that on purpose, but if you're an ambassador in Ukraine right now, you're not a Ukrainian. If you're an American ambassador, you're there representing the United States, talking about blah, 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 blah. So that's what Christ is talking about here. We are, so if we're an ambassador for Christ, where is our home? Our home is heaven. Where is our loyalty? Our loyalty is towards Christ. We're an ambassador for the gospel, right? So that's the role that God is giving us, is to be an ambassador. Um, and we are representing God's kingdom. We are ambassadors for him. Which leads us to Acts 1.8, which was God's, which Brandon has spent a lot of time talking about, and which Christ really outlines what our job is after he leaves. Um, I forget, has Acts 1.8 been a memory verse? Has it been one of our church's memory verses? So Acts 1.8 says, exactly, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria <coughs> and to the ends of the earth. Um, so again, uh, I would say being a witness, this is talking about is very similar to being uh, carrying out the process of reconciliation and being an ambassador. They all kind of tie together. <coughs> and by the way, what does a witness do? When it says we're a witness for Christ, what, what is a witness? You testify about what? You're testifying to the knowledge that you, what you've seen. I think I, say that again. That was very good. So it's firsthand experience. You're a primary witness to what's gone on. Um, and we're called to be a witnesses to the, to the whole world. Um, this morning, again, we're going to kind of break that down briefly, and we're going to pray for these different areas. Uh, and, the, and the first one, of course, is Jerusalem, which, uh, again, is our nearest contacts, those people closest to us. Um, and I think, uh, I think I'm stealing from Brandon here again, because I think that a really good example of that is beginning in the book of John, chapter 1. And when Jesus is, is calling, uh, calling his apostles, calling the disciples to follow him, it's interesting to see what the first response is. And in John chapter 1, in verses 40 through 42, we have Jesus talking to uh, the two of the disciples who've been walking around with him. 
And uh, they asked, beginning in verse 37, when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus, turning around. Jesus saw them following and said, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him, and it was about the 10th hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John said and had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. And I don't know if you remember Brandon's sermon, but, you know, frequently Andrew's kind of a byproduct and everyone focuses on Peter. But Andrew played a huge role here. And then down below, it says uh, the interaction between Philip and Nathaniel, beginning at verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So again, so you have a, a, a picture here, and when both Andrew and then Philip are exposed to Jesus, recognize that he's something unique and special, What's the first thing they do? Not just somebody. They go to the people that they love and are closest to them, right? They go to their brother. They go to a close friend. Um, and, by the way, we all know sometimes that can be difficult. Sometimes it is our brothers, our sisters, our parents that are, that are hard to share with. Um, but on the other hand, they're also the closest to our heart. They're also the ones that... I. I can share a personal testimony about my son coming back to Christ when he was about four years ago. And I am not going to tell the story today because I'll, again, not because, but I would start crying again because there's no one, well, no one, very few that I care more about than my son. I mean, do I want my coworkers to know Christ? Of course I do. I'm lying if I don't tell you that my son's a little bit more special than most other people. And that's the example here. It's that Jerusalem, that those people we care about the most, that we know, that we live with, that, that we're around. Um, and they didn't keep them to themselves. They basically went and sought them out, took the effort to seek them out, and told them of who Christ was. So right now, we're going to stop. I would like you to break into groups of twos and threes and fours, and we're going to pray. And we're going to pray for those people closest to us. We're going to pray for our families. We're going to pray for our daughters, our sons, our grandparents, our moms, our dads. <clears throat> We're going to pray for very specifically, and I'd like you to name names. I'd like you to just like name those names that we're praying for that we really would like to see touched by the gospel. Um, so we're going to take about four or five minutes, and if you want to, I would like you to join in groups. If you'd rather pray by yourself, that's fine too, but we're going to have a time now of praying for those in our Jerusalem, those that are closest to us, those that we love, that we care for, and let's go and do it.
Father, you, uh, you know those people that are dearest in our lives. God, and we're just so thankful for your presence. We're just so thankful for getting to be the ministers of reconciliation and ambassadors for you, Lord. God, again, we just pray for boldness with those people that are so close to us, Lord. We pray that you would bind fear. We pray that you would just allow us to see with your eyes, to hear with your ears, and just to be um, bold and encouraging in, in those, again, that we just care for so much. God, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, we're going to read it again. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Um, let's talk about Judea for a minute. Um, Judea is really representing, and again, if you haven't listened to Brandon's sermons, go back and listen, because I think he did a fabulous job expanding on that. Judea is really those people that are close around us in our community, and more of the people that we can relate to. Uh, the people that share similar values, similar likes, dislikes, uh, that sort of idea. Um, I chose a segment out of Acts chapter 2 where, of kind of how Peter was responding to his Judea. And it begins in verse 22. And he says, men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep a hold of him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, and I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also lives in hope, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life, and you fill me with joy in your presence. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God promised him an, on oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witness of the fact Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven and yet said, the Lord sit, said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool beneath your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and Peter uh, and said to the Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, any, every one of you, in the name of Christ Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off and are for all whom our Lord God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves in this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. Again, so Peter is responding to his um, Judea, Judea as he refers to the men of Israel, as he refers to them as brothers, as he is sharing, again, the gospel. Yeah, he's also, of course, recognizing that they played a role in the, in the death of Christ. But again, um, he has a passion that his people 
would know the truth and would be able to respond, which they do. Um, so, uh, again, Judea is much more of those, again, that we, that we do understand. We understand them. They're in our range, maybe not as close as our family. Um, so we're going to stop again, and we're going to pray in the same groups we were just in for your local community, those do you relate to, your coworkers, uh, your friends, your neighbors, um, generally the people that uh, you're around and understand. And again, pray for them by names. Pray for them specifically. Pray for opportunities to share the gospel with them. Pray for the opportunities of just having opportunities. One thing I, I do know absolutely for sure, when I actually in the morning specifically pray for opportunities to share, I always have an answer to that prayer. And is that because on mornings I'm not doing that, I'm not paying attention, or because God's answering that prayer? I think it's a bit of both. I think when I pray and I'm, when I'm looking, God provides those opportunities and I'm aware of those opportunities and I take them. I also think God is supernatural and provides those opportunities more. So again, we're going to stop. We're going to pray again for that, for our uh, Judeas. Um, and again, we'll do that for about four or five minutes.
Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to be involved in the lives that you have, um, people you've brought into our lives, God, that we know fairly well, that we understand fairly well. And God, uh, again, we just pray again that we would see them with your eyes and see their need for you, God, and, and looking for opportunities to engage in conversation, to listen, God, to listen closely about what they think and what they believe, Lord, to um, also be looking for those opportunities to give a reason for the hope we have, God. We just pray again for those people that um, are really within our sphere and that we can influence and that we would take that opportunity, Lord, to again, to be those that have the ministry of reconciliation that we can be an ambassador, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And again, allow us to be bold. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, and then it says in Acts, in Samaria. What, was, what were the Jews' impressions of Samaria? They didn't like them very much. Did they live close? They lived close. They were fairly close by, and you know, even when Jesus tells the story, we all tell the story of the Good Samaritan, we're not nearly as offended by that story as a Jew would have been at the time. Because the Jews, you know, as the rabbi walked by, as the Levite walked by and did nothing, the Samaritans were liked by nobody. In fact, you know, they would frequently walk around the country of Samaria to even not, not have to interact with the people. Um, so when we're talking about our response to the people that are Samaritans, there's a lot of people around us that we don't really click with, that are different from us. We live in Mount Shasta, right? Um, how many crystal stores do we have in town? Um, a lot. I mean, and, and there's a lot of, of differences of beliefs and opinions here. Um, one of my favorite pieces of scripture, of course, there's a lot of favorite pieces, right, is from Paul's response to this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 22. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 through 22. Paul says, though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Is Paul talking about compromise? Is he talking about compromising what he believes? Is he talking about backing off? Not at all. What's Paul talking about here? Absolutely. Any other thoughts? He's focused on relationships, building bridges. How do you think Paul did this? What's the first thing you probably think he did when he was trying to relate to all people? Go to them and listen. Right? Listen to their story. Isn't that an important thing to really understand? Where, where people are coming from, really sitting down, and again, Brandon did a great job expanding on this on one of his sermons, of really listening to what people say. I know what I do, 
I am listening to people say so I can come up with my response of why to convince them that, that I'm right about what I believe or what I'm doing. Even with the gospel sometimes. Sometimes my desire is to hear what they're saying so I can argue and tell them why this is how I believe and what I believe. Clearly, do I want to preach the gospel? Yes. But am I really listening? Am I really listening to where their heart is? Am I really listening to what they think and what they believe? And people know that. People know whether you're really listening to them or not. Even how you respond, responding, saying, I hear what you're saying because you're saying this, this, and that. Um, and again, Paul was incredibly bold, and I don't know exactly what it looked like how he did this, but I, he did it well enough that he could carry on conversations in all the communities that it was in. You remember where Paul went? He went all over the Mediterranean. He was in Greece. He was in Rome. He was in all over the place, and he was, I think, even though I think he was bold, he listened well. And again, clarify this. This doesn't mean that Paul compromised his beliefs. He's not being wishy-washy. He's being compassionate, and he's listening, and he's understanding stories. And by the way, the better we understand a story, the more we're going to be able to share the value of Christ to that individual, right? We can hear what their need is. We can hear where they're coming from. Um, and so what does Samarians, what does Samarians look like in our culture? Those are the people that are around us that we don't really quite get along with. That can be different beliefs, different faiths, no faith. Maybe they're an atheist. Uh, maybe they believe in evolution. Maybe they don't believe in evolution. What's a huge thing we have conflict right now in our culture? Political belief, right? Democrats, Republican, right, left. I mean, it's dividing like nothing else, right? Number one, it shouldn't divide the church. Number two, we should be able to listen. Whatever our personal political beliefs is, really, who cares? In our value towards Christ and what our opportunity to share is, I don't care what someone, I mean, it's good to listen and hear what they think, um, but if I'm going to be getting in a conflict, that conflict should be based on my faith in Christ, not on whether I believe in crystals or not crystals, whether I'm a Democrat or Republican. So there are those many folks, and, and uh, let's add some more, homeless and needy, people we see in our culture that, that, that have other needs, behavioral health issues, mental health issues, people that are struggling with addiction and other things. These are people that are right in our front steps, right here in Mount Shasta, that make us uncomfortable. And how are we choosing to respond? So right now, we're going to stop and pray for those people that we kind of view as not inside our group, that make us a little uncomfortable, that make us a little, we feel awkward around. Um, and so we're going to stop and pray for that. So break back into your groups, and let's go. You may not know names, by the way. But you can know general ideas and thoughts.
Father, we just pray for those uh, folks in our lives um, that we're not exactly comfortable with, Lord, uh, that we maybe feel awkward with or we disagree with or we're offended by or whatever that looks like, God, that we would just be, again, seeing them with your eyes and seeing them with your heart. God, that you desire um, everyone to come to know you, Lord, and we would just, again, look for opportunities to engage, Lord, in small ways, in big ways. God, and we just pray that you would guide us in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Of course, it ends up in Acts 1-8, into the very ends of the earth. Um, and we, I think, at our church, have tried to do a good job of, of reminding people of, um, of the persecuted church, of the ends of the earth. Uh, and a couple of verses came to mind. One is, as we're thinking about that, is when we get to celebrate at the end of all this, when we're in heaven, I love the verse in, Re- in Revelations 7-9, where it says, after this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and tongue, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. That's God's heart. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Um, also, uh, the scripture that I'm not going to fully read because it's too long is in the book of Acts, uh, beginning in chapter 10 through verses uh, through 11, where Peter has his, uh, his outreach to, um, to Cornelius. Uh, and if you're not familiar with it, I strongly recommend you, you to read that. Um, but again, um, up until this point, really, the, it been, Christianity had been within, within the Jews. Um, God appears to Peter in a dream and tells Peter, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And he'd let down a sheet with all sorts of unclean animals. And Peter said, surely not, Lord, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice, the voice spoke to him a second time and said, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And this goes through, there's about to be an introduction to Peter, uh, to Cornelius, who's a Roman centurion. So he's a Roman, he's a centurion, he has a different culture, different faith, different belief, and the Jews did not really appreciate the Romans because the Romans, as we all know, occupied their nation. Um, so this was a huge step for Peter, um, and God obviously had to appear to him in a vision to prepare him to go to Cornelius. Peter is, obedi- is obedient, goes to Cornelius, shares the gospel with them. They accept the gospel. The Holy Spirit is given to them. And what I, what I really appreciate is when Peter comes back to his followers in chapter 11 and explains his actions, because the Jews are going, what are you doing going to Cornelius' house? He tells the story, and the Holy Spirit coming on upon him, the final, the final um, verse in chapter 18 is, when they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, so then, God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. <laughs> I think that's funny, because it suggests the Jews, even then, were not necessarily expecting that even the Gentiles were going to be saved, um, whereas that is God's heart. And even if you read in 2 Peter 3, verses 8 and 9, um, says it pretty directly that God desires no one to perish. And let me read that real quick. Thought I had it marked. Um, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Um, so the last part of our focus on prayer does anyone know what May 1st is going on in the world right now? Nope. 
It affects 24.7% of the people's population. 1.9 billion people. Anyone know what it is? It's the last day of Ramadan. Um, and just so you know, we as a church are pretty committed to trying to reach Muslims because that's a huge population. We have missionaries we support. Um, what is Ramadan? It's a major Islamic holiday. It's the ninth month of the Islamic calendar, and it's observed by Muslims worldwide for fasting, prayer, reflection, and community. And it celebrates Muhammad's first revelation. Um, so in the pew rack in front of you, please pull out one of these. Hopefully you see one. They're around. And these you, by the way, can take home. This is the world watch list of persecuted countries. What's very fascinating is there's many nations in here. Does anyone know who the number one nation has been for about the last 10 years? North Korea. And North Korea, what's their faith? Anyone know that? They're atheist. And they're intensely persecution. You guys know who the number one country is this year without looking? Afghanistan. And if you look, by the way, in the first or second book, there's the top 50 countries. About 90, maybe that's too much, 90, 85 to 90% are Islamic countries. So the major place of persecution in our nation, yes, there's North Korea, yes, there's other nations, but our, our Islam is by far and away the biggest issue of persecution. persecution. Anyway, and also, I think, again, many of us are almost kind of a little bit afraid of Islam. A little insight, when Lori and I have done trips down to the Fremont area uh, to share with Afghan Muslims, there are ways to share with Americans. They invite you into their home frequently. They'll say, hey, come in and have tea. Um, they're interested about spiritual things. They actually are. I would much rather go door to door in a Muslim neighborhood than I would in a Mount Shasta neighborhood. Um, but point being is, huge need. Um, and again, our heart should be for everyone but certainly for the people of persecuted churches and Islamic nations to come to know Christ. And especially on the last day of Ramadan, um, they are praying and pray for visions and dreams and directions. We should be praying for visions and dreams and directions of Jesus. Um, there's many stories of Muslims coming to faith with no Bible through the Quran because Christ is in the Quran. Christ actually prevents, presents Jesus as sinless in the Quran. So point being is God can do miraculous things. So we're going to close our time. We're going to pray with your group. Pick out a country. There's actually a list in there. And if you look, there's usually then seven days of prayer for each of these nations. So it gives you a prayer list of what you can do. So I'll let you guys choose your own country. Um, but open up and let's, uh, let's, let's pray for the persecuted church and for the ends of the earth.
Father, we thank you that your heart is for um, every tribe, every tongue, and every language, Lord, and that, God, you are working, God, through dreams, through visions, through amazing acts, Lord, to draw men and women to yourself. Father, we just pray, Lord Jesus, that we would have your heart, God, as we look, Lord, we would not be afraid of a different culture. We would not be afraid of a, of a different color of skin or a different belief system. Lord, we would just know that um, all, all need to know you, Lord. And um, that is your vision, God, truly of every tribe. You start back in the book of Genesis, Lord, saying that, um, you would, that through Abraham, there would, all people would be blessed, Lord. And that's manifested through Jesus, Lord. And we just pray we would have your heart. Father God, we just pray again for this last day of Ramadan. God, we pray that many would be having dreams and visions of you, God, drawing people to yourself, Lord God. We pray for that, Lord. And we just pray for believers around them, Lord, that they would be able to um, reach out with the truth of, of your word, Lord. God, we pray for the persecutors, Lord. We know that many times persecutors come to know you. God, we just pray that by the response of, of those they're persecuting, Lord, they would see the truth of who you are. God, and you would bring them to their Lord. There's so many groups around the, of, around the world, Lord, whether it's Boko Haram or the Taliban or all the different groups around that are doing evil, awful things, Lord. Draw them to yourself, Lord. God, that we would not hate, but we would pray. God, and that your gospel would, and your power would go forward. Father, we just do thank you that we, as a church, get to support missionaries around the world as well as here locally. God, we're so blessed. God, and we would just be following your pattern, your pattern in Acts 1-8, Lord, that we would be focusing on Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, Lord. Thank you for the privilege of gathering together as your family. God, and we just lift this day up to you, Lord, and we just are so thankful. In Jesus' name, amen. And this is not there to stay in a pew rack. Feel free to take it home. And there's, it's a great prayer focus, prayer trigger, and as well as um, really gets you aware of what's going on in the world. Uh, we're done. Any questions about this? Any questions about anything we talked about? Comments? Yeah, oh, yeah. Nash and Brandon will probably, or whoever's preaching will probably mention it. National Day of Prayer is Thursday. We have our fasting prayer tomorrow night, and we're going to incorporate the National Day of Prayer as part of our fasting prayer tomorrow night. So 7 o'clock tomorrow night here at the church. Thanks for coming.